This is episode 92 of Outlander Cast. All the way from Cranston, Rhode Island, and the Martha's Vineyard, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hey everybody, welcome to Uplander Cast. This is Blake, and I know that this is actually quite different from what you're normally used to hearing. Uh, this is actually Mary's job. <laughs> She's the host of the show, uh, and I'm doing it because Mary uh, is on location in Martha's Vineyard, and we did what well, we didn't do. Uh, she did this episode live with some of the Outlander Cast staff in Martha's Vineyard, uh, <laughs> without me (laughs) well actually it's not her fault i was supposed to be there uh however i had to return home to deal with my children because of uh hashtag parent life uh so it is what it is but mary did this chat live on facebook uh, on the outlander cast facebook page and also in the outlander cast clan gathering fret not however fret not i will return to give you all of my thoughts. I will say that I did participate a little bit in this episode. I was in the chat room discussing with the ladies, and they did bring up some of the points that I wanted them to bring up. But uh, I, I think Mary and the and the staff, uh, including Ashley and uh, Janet and Anne and Denise and Nikki, uh, everybody did an amazing job. So please do give this a listen. It is fantastic. Uh, they get into some great conversation that I think uh, the show deserves, uh, and even some book comparisons, which is something that you don't quite always get uh, on Outlander Cast. So, without further ado, I will now punch up the live feed that Mary did from Martha's Vineyard. How lucky, right? Oh my word, how lucky. All right, let's get to it, shall we? Hello and welcome. My name is Mary Larson. I am one of the podcast hosts for Outlander Cast. Usually you get to hear myself and my husband Blake, but he is traveling now. And instead of Blake, I get five fabulous ladies. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good trade. That is a pretty good trade. So who are these ladies? Well, they're amazing members of the Outlander Cast staff. Some of us have gotten together and uh, said, you know what? No way, Jose. We're still going to see each other. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting off with Anne. Hi, it's Anne and uh, Erin making her first appearance on Outlander Cast. Yay! Hi, I'm Nikki. Awesome. I'm going to also teach you guys microphone etiquette. Take it to your lips. Pretend it is Jamie Fraser. All right, again, say hello. (laughs) Jamie Fraser's what? (laughs) Any part of him. Nikki, it's you first. (laughs) I'll need a few minutes alone. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Denise. And I'm Ashley. And I'm Janet. 
Nice. Nice. So welcome. Feel free to say a little hello. Um, there we go. And let me know if you can hear this now. Of course, I'm going to want to see some emojis, some thumbs up, some ha-has, some wows, some tears. You name it. I want to see it. You know those little emojis? Those little emojis right there. Okay. So... You know how we generally start off Outlander cast? We talk about our kilt rating. Is it a kilt rating first or is it the GBGs? I think it's the kilt rating first, all right? So if you're watching this live, I want you to put your kilt rating below. Of course, it's from one to five kilts. One being, I don't know, who Mark Mace, you know, like meh. And, and five, oh my God, five being Jamie's face when he bit into that pheasant, okay? So one to five, let us know your kilt ratings below. Was it, a, I thought it was a pheasant. It was a pheasant, yeah. Closed captioning said pheasant. Right? Right? In a wine sauce. I wanted to be the pheasant. <laughs> so, <laughs> be one with the pheasant. So who wants to share their kilt rating? Now this is just one to five kilts. Or, you know. You can elaborate. Oh, Nikki's ready. I can tell it in her eyes. Everything this season gets five. Everything, every episode starts with a five and it can only lose points. It lost no points. It lost no points. There you go, girlfriend. Nikki, I really like that. That's how I grade fast food restaurants, too. (laughs) It has like a base and it can only go down generally. I actually agree with uh, Nikki. I'm going with a five. Because it's just good Outlander. Right? Season one feeling Outlander. Now, you know, this is your first time on the podcast this season. I'm going to take you a step further. You just said that all of season three has been a five. What have the previous two episodes been yeah, for I you? I've given two fives. Really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And here. Uh, I would say um, 301 was definitely a five. I think 302 was, for me, it was a little slow, but it was good. So I would say 4.5. And then I think this one was like a 4.7. Because like Blake, I think I need to leave a little room for improvement. Because, you know, there's 10 episodes left. So. There are. There yeah. are. But they can all be fives. Oh, say that again? But they can all be fives. <laughs> yes, they can. So, so I'm assuming, Denise, that this was another five in your book? Sure. Yeah. How about you, Janet? Yeah. I would say, you know, 4.9. I mean, but, but, I, but I think because, you know, who gets an A plus all the time? No one. Nobody. That's me. Right. Anyway, nobody. But, you know, That's what but, Blake would say, right, Blake? I see you in this right, chat yeah. right now. Anyway, but but it was it was super. It was really well done. So awesome. Hey, Blake. While you're in this chat, feel free. I will pin some of your comments, and if you also want to help lead some of the conversation, because you always write the Google Doc, and I've just been having coffee with Bailey's. So here we go. Okay, so (laughs) it's time for our GBGs. Now, of course, if you are brand new to Outlander cast and you're like, what the heck is this girl from Rhode Island saying GBG? It's the good, the bad, and the great of the episode. So in the Facebook live chat, I want you to put your GBGs, your good, your bad, your great of this episode. I'm going to start things off. My, I'm just going to jump on in, jumping on in. My good was that clarinet solo. I don't know about you guys, but I've been missing me some Bear McCreary on social media. I've been missing his blog. I don't know where he is, but he scored, you know, the most, one of the most beautiful scores for all of Outlander with Frank's theme. I don't care how you feel about Frank, but that musical line with the clarinet is just stunning. And as those end credits come on in, tears my heart out. The bad, um, Oh gosh, 
That's a candy sandy. Why are you showing up? Why don't you just wait down at the stop sign? That was just so forced. You are dumb. Your name is Candy Sandy. I can't even handle you. You do not have a doctorate. You have a doctorate from like one of those print off internet websites before the internet existed. And my great was Jamie butting into that pheasant because I, thinking about it, I'm still drooling. Um, I know my great could be much more deep than that, but. I'm still drooling Think of that white wine pheasant So who wants to start in With their GBG I'll, I'll go Yes Alright so my good Was Claire's costumes um, Which I think are fabo um, Oh was that yours Sorry yeah, No uh, No I love I mean yeah, I, we can't I think talk. Terry has hit it out of the park um, These first couple of episodes With Claire In the 40s and 50s and 60s I mean And, they, and she was in white I think Somebody had pointed that out For most of her Scenes, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. Um, the bad was Frank's line about I made her come to the door because I needed a ride. I mean, yeah. so great. So what? Yes. So, so lame. <laughs> that is so silly. Um, whatever. And then the great, I mean, for me, the Murtaugh, I mean, come on. I know it changes the story, blah, blah, but I thought that was really amazing to kind of come around the corner and see that it was him and and the fact that he survived Ardsmuir which you know oh my god right I thought they you know when the physician came in that he was going to be dead but apparently he came back to life and is off to the colonies so not sure where that goes might be a good blog post right? I think that sounds like an excellent blog post <laughs> keep your eyes on outlandercast.com sword dancing no, so anyway so that's my oh my god sword dancing where would one oh, go yeah. in the colonies to sword dance no that's what Murtaugh does no. he goes to the colonies and opens a sword dancing studio <laughs> In North Carolina? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's my GBG. Yeah, let's pass it. Nikki's on a roll right now. Hand that microphone over to Nikki. Yes, bring it on. Can I start with bad? No, that is not how this works. It is a GBG. Because you make it a bad sandwich. I'm an optimist, so I like to make sure that there's bookends of happiness and joy. It's very merry. Okay. Thank you. All right, so good. Um... Let's say, God, I love Dr. Joe. Mm. I love Dr. Joe Abernathy and his elixir. What was it? His magic elixir or something? Yes, it's called a martini. Well, okay, yeah, there's that. So, okay, I, so I will call that good. Dr. Joe, um, the bad, oh, well, there's, I, I don't, I might still Ashley's, but Frank's glasses, good Lord. Oh, wait, that no, was your bad? They were bad. Oh, those glasses. Yes. Stop it. I've been on Zenny looking for cheap ripoffs for $10 no, 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 for no, the past no, 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 three weeks. But there were two glasses. There were two sets of glasses, yeah. and one was the not clear on bad. the bottom. And then there were some that were like huge. They were like goggles. All right, well, it's still my bad. It's still my bad. Somebody's saying online that um, Joni is saying Murta marries Jocasta, and she's played by Helen Marin. Oh my Ooh, Oh yes For those like who don't that. know Just say interesting Just nod your hand And be like <laughs> Ventured past the spoiler free Yeah <laughs> and, Great And you're great Great Oh my god Jamie's face When he's talking about Claire When he first says her name And he's He's remembering her When he's talking to John Gray Oh That's That's it That's it It did me in Preach Amen Church as they say On Breaking Bad Church Church all right. How about from this side? Some GBGs. 
I'll go. So I now I'm now I'm going to tap into some ants. I was like obsessed with the I was obsessed with the wardrobe. I'm getting personal with Jamie, right? Yeah, they get, get in person. Um, very obsessed with the wardrobe moments, and that did include for me Frank's glasses. I just couldn't look past anything with all of the glasses. It was like all of them. I mean, they were very distracting, but not in the way that you found Jamie's Adam's apple to be distracting. That Adam's apple was so much was more like, distracting than these glasses. I know. It was like pre-Warby Parker. Like it was, yes. it was, I, I was into it. And all of like just the beautiful um, wardrobe that they had Claire and Frank in specifically. Um, my bad. It's not really a bad. I just was like, oh, these episodes, because they're trying to cover so much are moving so fast. So I mm-hmm. feel like, I don't know. It was like, look at Martel. He's aging. He's dying. It was like watching. I had so much anxiety. And it was like watching Oregon Trail in life. Like, you're just waiting for him to like. Dysentery. Dysentery. I was waiting for him to die of dysentery. It made me sad. But then like they flashed in and it was like, it's been three months. He's better now. Like, I don't know. Reading the book, there was so much in that prison. I felt like we went really fast. However, not a bad. They've got to include a lot in. But just for me, it felt like very fast paced. And the great I'm sharing is, again, seeing Duncan LaCroix back. Oh, nice. Nice. Great. Yep. Yeah. That was that's it. That's enough. I don't know where it's going. I just I have all the anxiety about like, is he leaving us again? When is he dying? I don't want to die. I can't. No, we don't. So now that he's still alive and we got to see him and he looked older I don't care it was just wonderful to see him hearing that little voice how about Janet what's your GBG um okay I'm just gonna be you know an outlier my bad is um I thought that the decision to make their marriage something where um they had decided to let it go the way it went and sort of be separate. The open what, marriage yes. arrangement? Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it, it was a decision that I think, you know, helped to make Frank a more sympathetic character. And I think that was something that, you know, the showrunner wanted to do. Um, Specifically having it, having Frank say, this was your idea yeah, to have and the open it, marriage. So it places the blame on Claire. And while I don't think, you know, it takes two to tango, um, I think, and I think that Claire was distant, I felt like it was a bit of a switch um, from the book that, you know, I didn't like the intent. So for me, that I didn't like that as much. Um, you know, I think it worked, and I think it makes Frank more sympathetic. And it's complicated because, you know, it's not one person. It's two people making it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't love that. Um, the good, let's see, the good, I mean, overall the episode was good, so the great, you know, I think there's a lot of nuance with, um, Jamie's expressions, and, um, I don't, you know, I'm not good with the GBG things. It's so okay, that's okay. On. I put you on the, the hot seat. Or Denise the BGGs, ready. as She's she did. All right. Right. Not how I think. I I move mine all around. I've listening to everybody else's. I don't want to use everybody else's, but um, and your costumes with Claire that was a good. But but I also had another one, and um, I would say just the relationship. was Oddly enough, a good up? my good and my bad was both the relation was a relationship with Claire and Frank because it showed her at the end how she said. He was her first love. And so you see, I mean, through these last few episodes, all you've seen is how kind of bitchy she's been toward him. We're on Facebook and Live, so, Denise. Oh, sorry. You've got to watch that, that foul mouth of yours. 
Okay. I'm okay. Kidding. Oh my god, I'm totally kidding. I just put her on the hot seat. Look at her. She was on a roll, and she, she's like, "Oh like, god, she, what Larry else just can I me say?" Out. But she, yeah. <laughs> you should see Janet's ice scraper. <laughs> um, so, um, but she, they're they're always showing how how um, negative she is in their relationship. So to see her say, you know, he was her first love. That actually was kind of nice to see that. But I did like the costumes more. Um, the bad, totally re- agree with Janet on that. Um, they, and I'm usually not, I'm not a book purist, but that was one thing I was like, well, come on. You know, that was certainly not anything that was in the book. Um, he clearly uh was it wasn't an agreement to go ahead and do whatever you want to do kind of thing but they made it look like that so for me that was the bad but my great started off being Sam in his acting but the more I think about it and we talked about a little bit today was just the cinematography getting back to those great scenes in Scotland Um, at the end we had that uh, scene with John Gray and Jamie and the sun setting on them and just the, the lighting in that and I think they did a really spectacular job with that so there's my GPG all right so those of you still on Facebook Live, we still want to see some of those GBGs. We got Marianne Edwards saying that her good was Brie. Her bad was Frank's glasses. Man, a lot of you hated Frank's glasses. And the G for the great was the acting superb. Different than the book, but it works. And, you know, Blake weighed in and he said that does it make sense in the show? Do these changes that have been made from the book, for example, the open relationship, does it make sense in the show? That is the real question. So would someone like to answer that? Yeah, I totally can see how it would work as a television uh, compromise and sort of mindset. And I and I do agree with Ron Moore, um, which um, actually is something I've been thinking about writing about, but. I wasn't pumped about the Claire and Frank storyline for uh, Voyager for this season. And yet I, I think it's been played an integral sort of important role in sort of showing the parallel lives from for what they've each been going through, you know, 200 years apart. So it's I think it's been functional and critical in that sense. Um, and I and if you only watch a TV show, I could totally get how that works. You know, I w- I'm just sort of responding from somebody who's you know also read the books and sort of been like not quite as sympathetic to sort of uh, Frank, you know, in, in on those levels. But yeah, I think Blake raises a good point. What do you think, Ann? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not one of those people that thinks you know everything from the book has to be the same. I mean. Part of what I think has made Outlander so popular is that it's it's garnered a lot of new viewers, not not just the book readers. And I think there's certain things that you have to do to adapt the books to keep the non-book readers interested. And I think these parallel lives, um, which was one of the promos before season three started, um, is really one of these things. You know, I think you do need to understand what both of these people went through before they were reunited. And um, so I, I think it's been, I think it's actually been very good. I mean, we were talking earlier about how they're kind of zipping through <laughs> the 20 years, but you know, that's a function of the fact that there's only 13 episodic, you know, um, way episodes to do that. So um, I, I think they've done a good job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little kind of on the, I mean, as much as I'm so happy that Murtaugh lives, um, you know, it's really going to be interesting. I mean, is 
he going to show up later in the show? I mean, it was interesting that he didn't actually die at Ardsmuir or, or at Culloden for that matter. But um, and that, that's going to be a fine line. I mean, I think maybe there's a way to walk that line that will be um, still keep true to the spirit of the book and you know, Jamie being on his own and without Murtaugh, but I think that remains to be seen. But anyway, I love Duncan LaCroix, so I'm happy he's still around. Yes, yes. So, you know, we, we lost Frank. Love him, hate him. We have lost Frank in this episode. And of course, we, thank God, have lost BJR. So tonight, I think we should all raise a glass. And those of you at home, please let me know your drink of choice. Uh, here's to Tobias. Tobias Menzies oh, yeah, for okay. being that a phenomenal too. actor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we hear a little snort. We hear a snort from Aaron. <laughs> so cheers to Tobias. Cheers to Tobias. Maybe so. <laughs> what was, you know, this episode, there's just so much to talk about. But what has been the standout moment for you in all of Tobias's acting in mm. Outlander? <laughs> I have thoughts. thoughts. I'm yeah. sorry, but like in episode two, those 15 seconds of when Claire says she's pregnant and, you know, the camera's right on his face and he goes through this like shock of, you know, happiness and then realizing it's not his child and it's all done in this close up through his eyes and it's just amazing acting. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I can give it for Tobias and and not separate the fact that he was two unique characters you know what I mean like it's very hard to pick one moment because I was just singling in on the Frank and was like oh there's that whole brilliance of blackjack over here but for me I loved when you would see the two characters morph together Mm, like every time you see him like carrying over the facial twitches and the certain things that were BJR you know staples that were just would make you understand how she might look at him with a bit of a haunting eye of remembering everything that she's just been through, but wait, she's married to him. It's not blackjack, but at the same time, like a mirror image of him. I just, um, I was so happy to see Frank go. It's time. Mm. <laughs> That's oh, right. you, got, you got something to say, Nikki. Let's it's get time, you but what was bye it? Bye-bye, Tobias. And, uh, no, so, so you, you, you hate, you hate, you hate Frank. But what made you, what's a moment where you hated him the most? Like, what's a moment that you were like, God, Tobias, I hate you. I love your acting, but I hate you. What was, what was your moment for him that you were like, that is it. That is my, he, either of those characters. Okay, so I hate Frank, but I mean, as far as acting goes, the scenes in Wentworth Prison Oh my god! I mean, he he pretty much took on every every evil sort of thing that that lives in humanity, right? I mean, he 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 just took all that on and he portrayed that, and 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 he took out all of his frustration and whatever else was going on in his head. I don't know. We need a couple of psychiatrists for that, but all the you know, I, you know, to see that, I mean, to, to to watch it and and to feel that and to feel kind of what he's going through, but what he's putting Jamie through at the same time. I mean, that's it was riveting. It was difficult to watch, and you know, I've I've got some feelings about all that stuff anyway. But I, it's um, it was it's pretty amazing. Strong actor for sure. Yeah. Oh, you got nothing. You've got you've got no love for Tobias. 
or is it covered? You guys are covering it all. It's we good. got it covered. We yeah. got it covered. So leave your favorite Tobias moment in the comments below. But you know, when, did you have something about you? You and I just love him. Yeah, just watch yes. him on Catastrophe if you miss him. Oh, can yes. I plug yes. another yes. show? Yes. If you're gonna have, if you need to have a Tobias moment, he's in a couple other shows. You can just love him there and be gone. The night so manager. The, and the other thing is, so I mentioned sort of the pregnancy moment, and then, you know, within the same scene, I don't even think they stopped rolling. He's so angry that he almost punches Claire. And that was so BJR, mm-hmm. you know, brought forward and sort of this wonderful kind of melding of the two, and yet not in like a weird way, you know, because I think casting one person for these two roles was really risky and could have backfired and not done well. So, you know, I really struggled with those mirrors because um, being a book reader, I've always known he is not literally like born of Black Jack Randall. Yes, raised for what? How, how long? How long would he have been in that household? I mean, BJR wouldn't have even really been there. Would have been at war the whole time. So it's been hard for me to see those moments and I've loved those moments just to see the fire and the anger. Um, but on the flip side, in TV Frank, it until this episode, until this episode, you know, Blake is a huge Frank fan. Until this episode, I would be like, yeah, there's that glimmer of it, but it's not real because it's not biological and it, we can't totally draw that conclusion and really how much influence would BJR had over him because it would have just been a baby. Um, you know, the ancestor, it wasn't even him. But, um, but this episode... This episode, I was like, there you are, Book Frank. There you are. You're inviting Candy Sandy to Claire's graduation. Like, really? Like, tonight was the night where I was like, there you are, you smarmy lad. You, I can't even call you a lad. So, um, yeah, does anyone else have anything else to say about... We could, we could use swears, but it's Facebook Live. I know. I know. That's why I said smarmy. I'm like trying to be so so G-rated. But truly, you know, to hear... Uh, we, we heard about it in the... The episode where, where Matt was saying how really Tobias had his last moments on set and how poignant that was and how strong it was. Because think about, it, as you were saying, this is a guy who played two different characters and he was in, you know, as many scenes as, as the other two leads or even more so because he was in it while, you know, when Kat wasn't in it, he was in it with Sam. And um, so to really have to say goodbye to someone while other people continue to have this relationship with the cast, with the crew, um, it really must have been quite, quite the send off and also quite hard. So I just want to say, uh, Lisa Rand says online about uh, when Claire and BJR were around the table, and this is going back to Garrison Commander, so this is for you, Blake, because I know that's probably your favorite, almost favorite episode now, but... um, she was saying how he was talking about Jamie being flogged, but I really do think that whole episode was Tobias's episode as BJR. So he really pulled it through there. And since then, he's done so much more. But I think that was his one shining, shining episode was that one. So I, I would, agree with I you, Lisa. Agree, I would agree with that. I, I will say I, I thought it, it was pretty astounding, the episode where he showed up at the Versailles Gardens, yes. because he had to, in some ways, portray a somewhat different a little broken um and i thought he was you know menacing but you could tell he was not the same man and i thought it was actually remarkable you know remarkable acting on on tobias's part and i have to say i'm not a huge frank fan um 
But I will say these last several episodes, especially I thought last night's episode, we were we watched it again tonight, and the fight, the last fight, was pretty epic. I thought it was even better than the ashtray throwing. Yes, yes. <laughs> scene. Um, yeah, Tobias was pretty pretty great in that too. So. In the Versailles Garden thing, too, just to go to your point, um, one of the things that was, I think, particularly striking was he had to, he was humiliated. Mm -hmm. And which, of course, he was usually the humiliator. Um, It was part of his shtick. And yet he, it showed sort of in this complicated way his relationship with his brother because he was doing this for Alex. And yet he was so uncomfortable with it, too. Again, so many nuanced parts to the characters he played he was he was just terrific um so in this episode of course you found out that you know he was he was sleeping around hopefully not in that bedroom because it's already too crowded a lot going on in there lots going lots going on as we got to see in that last episode lots of people in that episode but um but i wanted to handle frank's death and you know Blake will talk about this and um, I'll be doing an episode later this week with with Blake. Uh, Blake had a problem with getting into a fight and then suddenly Frank's dead. And Blake was like, well, wasn't that convenient? I don't like you. You don't like me. What the hell? Oh, you're dead. Yay. Like he just felt like it was all too convenient. And I wanted you guys to weigh in on that. But isn't that real life? I feel like that's real life. And not all, all deaths have to be like these grand duels on a battlefield. That's real life that you leave the house and may not come home or you get diagnosed with something. You know, that's, I feel like that's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's sad. And that's why you, you know, think about the things that you say and the way that you go to bed with someone and, you know, wake up the next morning with regret or, you know, the, the things that you say have, have impact and not to make her feel guilt in any way, but... Like I remember we were sitting here challenging Blake. Well, what were you expecting? Mm-hmm. Like, again, with the Oregon Trail, like, must he die of some horrific... <laughs> I suggested syphilis or something <laughs> since he was, like, maybe a nice VD from the 60s. But um, What was the last thing she said to him before he left? No, I don't think that it was just more that moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they had anything that was, like, her saying anything evil so much as him just slamming out I think he actually had more kind of burns thrown in there than she did but um I don't know I don't think it was I don't think it was wrong to do it in the way he did because if he had gotten sick we would have had to probably go through that I think for as suddenly as all of the things have been changed for her pushing her hands on the stone having to leave Jamie in a moment's notice like all these things why is that any different that he goes as suddenly as everything else has seemed to have gone without it being her choice right you know, having to lose without any of it being her choice. And granted, yes, this was like the pinnacle. This was this was the, the a huge, huge fight. But you know, I was telling you guys earlier, um, I've been in many car accidents. I have bad death perception, so some have been my fault. Some have not. Um, <laughs> but one the the worst car accident I've been in, uh, I was I was in a heated. Um, discussion with someone in my family and I was really upset and I was crying and I actually got rear-ended so it wasn't my fault wasn't my fault but um I wonder occasionally like was it because I was crying did I not give tons of breaking period like when you're upset you are not 100% 
alert. You're just not 100% with it. So imagine he's going out that door. So when, when Blake was challenging, like, wow, he got no car accident. I'm like, yeah, he probably did. You know, as many of us probably do accidental silly things after we do get into an argument or if we're headed somewhere else, you know, you miss things, you miss turns. Like how many times does that happen where you're thinking about something and then you take the wrong turn somewhere and he could have easily had done that. So feel like he needed to make the choice to leave. Well, he kind of did make did. the choice yeah. to leave. He asked for a divorce. I mean, what? And he walked out the door. And he walked out the door. Plus, he got to use the car. Right. <laughs> Which he didn't while he was dating, apparently. So there's that. Right. How do we feel about um, Claire learning about Frank's death? That scene with, with Joe coming to her and saying it's Frank and how Katrina handled that scene. Who wants to talk about that? So one of the things that I thought was really beautiful about that scene is is the way she looked at him and said, "If you're still if you're still close enough to hear me," mm-hmm. I really loved that line because I don't know. There's there's so much ethereal sort of things that go on in this show, right? The stones and the time travel and all of that, and it sort of gives you a feel for that 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 she knows that there might be some part of him that's still that's still lingering that that's not yet gone and and i just thought that was really cool yeah that's very highlander too you know how they leave the door open when someone dies so that Mm -hmm. the soul can leave and so you know in some ways it's sort of true to sort of her belief system that's back in the past um i mean i thought it was striking and you know i do it's hard for me to picture an actress who can sort of do the teary view as well as she does. I mean, she is just stunningly good at it. And But I thought it was really striking, too. I mean, I was glad they didn't show the crash or any kind of, like, weird flash to it or whatever. I thought it was much more effective to show... To, to decide to focus on the reaction to it. Um, you can tell a lot about her relationship with Joe Abernathy, which we have really not seen anything about um, other than their introduction based on his walking up to her and sort of there, you, you get a sense of sort of the gravitas and that they are connected and we don't know that backstory if you're just a TV watcher. Um, but I also thought sort of... Uh, um, her walking to the door, which was the final scene, and they sort of show half her face, and um, and I thought that was an interesting sort of physical point of view to take because it's sort of like half of her is gone, um, and yet you know the person that makes her whole is Jamie, and it, so I I just thought it was a very interesting sort of physical choice to sort of frame it that way, if you will. Her um. Her kind of what I feel like validating Ron Moore's stance on on really pushing that Claire loved Frank and that Frank in some way was worthy of Claire for some portion of her life and for her to say, you know, you were my first love. You know, to like really say like I love, you know what I mean? To like get that out and to have Claire say that out loud. So we as the viewers, especially for book readers who have been like, no, Frank, like what are you doing wrong? Why are you pushing so much Frank on us? For her to say that and to once again um, establish even just that first scene um, in season one where they're driving so carefree and they really have such genuine smiles driving on their second honeymoon. Um you know, it, it brought it back to that. Like, she did. She did once. So this wasn't this wretched man who we should all be always feeling like we need to cheers our cups to. That That Ron and, and the writers, they really wanted us to feel like, farewell. This this was important. 
but that chapter's over. So I thought that that was interesting how they made sure to show that. I I agree. Her tear. Why does she not do the ugly girl crying like the rest of us do? It's right? so pretty, right? It's With really a snot, you know. It's really really pretty. I I felt like there was part of it, and this is just me because I just love the the magic of how they make it, and just the the camaraderie that these actors have with each other. I felt like it was like Ka- Katrina having her moment to say goodbye to Tobias, being her screen partner for so long. And I and I know that that wasn't the final scene they shot, but that was the way I was registering. You're like, oh, we really have to do, we do have to say goodbye to him, and it's sweet how she's doing it. And plus, and so rightly, tell you you get tell us what music they were playing. Oh you yeah. Were so, yeah, they, um, so that was a nice um, new, sort of new rendition of Frank's theme that Bear had had, had done over mm-hmm. the course of the last, um, well, season one and um, first episode of um, season two. Um, and so it was an, another arrangement of the Frank theme. So I thought that was nice that they... Slightly Sarah McLaughlin, though. <laughs> a little bit, right? I will, I will remember you. <laughs> Save the dog is in the cages. You know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's Angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whenever that's, I hear Sarah. That's our. I, I like. Mashup. I like that I like it that. went through like a glee mashup over Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so Blake is saying that Claire telling Frank she loved him reminded him of Dougal talking to a dead column. So that's kind of a neat point. And some people are talking about Joe and how we haven't seen Joe and Claire's relationship and they're kind of upset about that. But I think we still have a few episodes to develop that relationship. So I don't think Joe Abernathy's gone yet. So I wouldn't get too excited about that. Hold on tight, spider monkeys. Right? Hold on tight. So farewell, Tobias. Let's let's raise our glasses one more time. Cheers. 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 Sure, he'll have a very lucrative career. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's there's much more in store for you. Yes. Maybe a nomination or something. Oh my god. Nice. He needs he needs a little nom. Let's move on to the new man, Lord John Gray. Right. Sparkling sparkles, all sparkles. Because if you all have not watched Twilight, then you don't get my Spider Mikey reference. But um, this gentleman, gosh, what was what was the the clan of of uh, vampires called that lived in Italy? Someone, someone, uh, you know, but they yeah. all had, they all had those ponytails and give me a minute. Yeah. It began It'll with a V. Up. Yeah. But he totally could have fit in there. Um, he could have fit in so well because he always had perfectly quaffed hair, Volturi. which, which, uh, got the Volturi. Thank yes. you, Jennifer. Yes. Jennifer nailed it. And Paula. Did anyone else Emma notice? Like, why did, did he get a new wig? Why did he get a new wig halfway through? He got, he went from brunette to blonde. Sun in. <laughs> he was taking a trip to the beach to find Jamie. He put some sun in in his yeah. hair. He went blonde. It's, yeah. it's what we all did in the 80s. Amen. Amen. 1780s, 1780s, 1980s. It's, it's all the same. How do you feel about this casting? And uh, of course, trying to keep it you know, spoiler free, but how do you feel about this character and um, how he was portrayed and, um, you know, this this new British officer that obviously is going to play a role in, in Outlander? I'm just reading everyone's comments, so... 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of people really enjoy him. uh, Wondering about his hair color as well, and the wig department needs help. They say so. um, They felt like he just wanted to accessorize. Like he was like, "All right, this is my this is my beach hair." Actually, isn't that they did wear wigs? So you kind of wonder was that you know was that part of it? But someone also said they can't tell if John John Gray is supposed to be a good or bad character. So they don't understand all the backstory. So you just have to keep watching for that. So, but I like him. I thought he did an awesome job. The blue eyes. We talked about the blue eye at the end between Jamie and Mm. John Gray. Uh, Yeah. So there's that. Do you feel like he's green when he when he starts off? Do you feel like he is that he's new that um, he has that kind of innocence? What what about those first few scenes with him screamed that to you? So I, when I saw those first few scenes, he he seemed like a new manager to me, right? You know, the new manager comes in and he wants to be, you know, he wants to earn some respect and he wants to do some, he he wants to catch some of the low hanging fruit, right? He wants to do some, some easy things that will make people happy. Give them all cats. We don't want your cats, sir. We, we want to eat rats. Um, so I, I thought that was actually kind of cool. I didn't, I never really connected with the Lord John Gray in the books, but uh, maybe it's the blue eyes um, in, in the show. Yeah, and the sun in. I, I don't know, but I, I really, really like him. So. I don't actually like Lord John Gray in the books. Um, yeah, I, I, I really have not um, developed a rapport with him. Um, in fact, he just kind of made me angry a lot of times in some of the later books. Um, but um, I, I've actually seen David Barry, and I know a lot of the clan gathering members have watched A Place to Call Home, which is an Australian kind of soap opery um, television show. And he's very, very good in that show. Um, and I, I, I really like him as Lord John. I think he's, I think he came off. I, I mean, I was trying to think. So he was 16 at Preston Pans, and that was, what, a year before Culloden. Right, so seventeen, and then plus six, so he what twenty? She's he's young. Yeah, yeah. So he's very young, and Jamie even made note of that when the other prisoners were asking him what they thought about him. So I mean, he's what twenty-two or twenty-three, and the governor of this prison. So I mean, I think it, he played that sort of young, um, you know, person who's trying to be, um, you know, the go-getter. Be, yeah, the go-getter and respected. Um, no, I think I, I think he's actually a very good actor. And we were talking earlier how there were so many scenes where it was like really close to his face and and his tears. And, you know, I mean, it was very I, I thought he did a great job of showing um, real emotion and trying to not only be, you know, the res- respected by the other prisoners, but I think also sort of beginning his you know infatuation with, you know, Jamie Frazier and how that sort of develops, So. I think he's. I think David Barry is going to be great in this role. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, and I would just say two things. One is, if you want to know more about Lord John Gray, read the Lord John Gray novellas and short stories because they give a lot of really fascinating backstory, including some things that help explain his relationship with Jamie Fraser and some of the holes that are going to come up in the books themselves, and also just about his life and. I thought they gave, they give a lot of nuance to sort of how he acts and why he acts the way he does. Um, but the other thing is that one of the things that I've found, if I had a complaint about this season so far, and I will say that I love this season, and I feel like this season is like way back on track after season two, which I didn't love. Um, but 
the season is very con- is condensed already in sort of what they have a lot of information to get across. The book is much more it, the storyline is much more linear than Dragonfly and Amber, which I think was challenging. But I still think that one of the things that you know potentially works against some of what they're doing is this condensation of sort of a lot of details. And so this episode with Lord John Gray. Everybody here was with me when we were watching it, and you know he put his hand on Jamie. I'm like, no, not yet, not now, because I felt like there needed to be more explanation and sort of development of that, which they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So well, another thing that's that they didn't get to do was he was like, no, I'm not going to dine with him. Come on over for pheasant. You know yeah. that was very, and, very yeah, quick. Right, and, it, and that's that's just the challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's why it was my bad. Because I felt like that just moved too fast. And if you haven't read the books to fill in the holes, which you should be able to watch the show without having to have read the books. Yeah, it seemed fast-tracked. But I think he's going to be really good. I have not been disappointed in any of their casting thus far. And I think... um, He's just stunning to look at. Truly. Like a porcelain. Lovely he's, lips. He's spent a lot of minutes with Mary. Oh my God. All the minutes with Mary. <laughs> he has had, he had a beautiful the lip shy stain. shy lip stain. I would totally agree. <laughs> um, that was envious. I had a little lip lust moment, yeah. but um, yeah, he, he, he just is, he is as stunning to look at as all the rest of them have been without it being overly distracting and not like it fits he mm-hmm. feels like he embodies the way that they wrote that character in the book when, they as in she you know you talk about distracting one thing that distracted me because this is one of the things I'm picking on this season including the Adam's apple is um, Jamie continually so when, when Lord John Gray yes please act it out for me when Lord John Gray is first being told like here's what you do here, okay there's Jamie snuggle and then snuggle, and then snuggle. And it's like every shot of Jamie, snuggle, snuggle. And it's like, we get it. We totally get it. What was the, the comment that you had on the live blog? Oh, you, he would be better served by a barber jacket. Or, or this beautiful or wrap. barber shawl. See? That I, <laughs> with a hood. Janet and I are channeling our inner Jamie and Claire because it's so warm in here. Um, Blake wants to, us to talk a little bit about his transition from talking to Jamie to all of a sudden hitting on Jamie hardcore. So what happened there? Why do you guys think, granted, this is TV, it took the book and, went, and, and shrunk it. But what do you think you think you think you could you could could pick up on if you were just a show watcher? What could be fun about Lord John Gray's character and why maybe... Uh, these kind of well, conversations. Well, I think the exposition was in that actual scene because mm-hmm. he spoke about um, his brother and his his friend who who died at Culloden, and he he said his brother was embarrassed and didn't let him say goodbye to his dying friend, and that he would grow out of it. So you know, you kind of get what he's saying, and and then I think I don't know the sort of. <laughs> furtive glances <laughs> across the uh, pheasant or what have you but um, you know and then the what was it thumb rub thumb rub yes, the thumb rub the thumb rub that sort of put it over um, lavender so, would have put it really over the edge yeah. what's that La- lavender on the thumb rub lav- would have <laughs> oh god yeah so I, I mean it, it was very subtle and so I don't know I'm not sure if, if show watchers would necessarily pick it up you know um, I thought it was interesting how how Jamie hesitated at a while because for a moment because I feel like people who've had great loss especially uh, new great loss and then they share a moment with someone else who's had that great of a loss whether it's a parent whether it's a spouse a loved one uh, a child any of these things when you're with someone 
who also has shared that, but has shared that relatively in the same time frame as you. You have that, um, just that mutual understanding. Yeah, it's common. It's just this 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 deep pain and this deep love and longing. And at first, I felt like Jamie was like, "Is that what's happening here?" Oh no, you're rubbing now with that thumb because it really it, it, that's what they were doing is they were talking about these lost loves who they both lost at the time of Culloden. Mm-hmm. Um And so I thought that was interesting. But, you know, I always try to watch a show as a show watcher, especially because I have Blake and I'm like, oh, what's Blake going to pick up on here? Are they mourning together? Are, is Lord John Gray trying to um, console himself with Jamie, but not in that mm-hmm. uh, thumb rubbing sense? And then the thumb rubbing happened and then it was pretty clear. I don't, this might be kind of twisted, but this is where I was thinking that it reminded me a lot of Jamie and Wentworth or after the fact when he explained to Claire that he just, what, what happened happened because he was so sick of feeling in pain that he wanted to feel g- good for a moment. That it kind of reminded me of that. Like I've, I've been in this prison. I do have Murta, but you know, I'm, I'm, this is as good as it's going to get. I might as well take the pheasant and have the nice conversation you know, not anything more from it. But at first there was resistance. And then it was like, what do I have to lose by sitting here and having like civil conversation human again, right. And, and then I think if you're a show watcher, you don't necessarily have all that context that is built up about, you know, Lord John Gray in the in the books, but they gave you enough of just like why Jamie as an individual, he's the king of men, right? He's so intriguing, that he's there to be the governor of a bunch of like, you know, kind of scrappy prisoners but here's a guy that's multilingual that people are revering that you know the previous governor wanted to have these fine meals with that is enough to probably be a little bit intrigued by why that is and want to get to know somebody just Mm -hmm. for the sake of it so I feel like they gave enough of Jamie like having this kind of flipping I don't know just having this moment where it's kind of flipped him up and surprised him enough to want to have that connection with him a couple of scenes that were a little difficult for me were when jamie ran and played hide and seek it was just like okay guys cover me <laughs> like that was you know um it had to be done and it, they did it you know the way they could but i kind of wanted little uh like clown music behind it but also when jamie caught lauren you know lord john gray they, he just did that that kind of came very abrupt for me but then what what fixed it for me was the conversation and the acting and the depth. And um, how did you guys feel about the flashbacks to season one that were there to remind you of who this character was and the importance and uh, the understanding? Sorry, no, I'm just my my husband is watching live. Yeah, he's like, I know. Hi, Byard. Love you. Um, but he's getting like really insightful in these clan comments, and I'm like, where is this when we're watching it, hun? Bring it out. I'm ready. Sorry, go ahead. A lot of people were having, I guess, if you are a non-book reader, and also if you're a book reader, just the way they composed the series, the the episode, people were having some confusion in the time lapse, um, and they may have found a better way to do it, but it's just how they did it. So now that you've watched it once, and you now know that there was that time lapse between each time Jamie and Lord John Gray met, maybe you could go back and watch it and say oh, now I get it. So maybe because we do watch it several times, most people do, maybe go back with it with that in mind that there was that time lapse that did happen and um, maybe give yourself a chance to like 
enjoy that moment a little bit more knowing that they had developed a relationship over a period of time that we just can't see. Probably the only other way I, I could see them doing anything where you would see that time lapse would be like equivalent to the what I think of in the wedding when they go with the beginning of the night of course I had to bring up the wedding but with the beginning of the night and how they they talk and how they like fade in and out of the conversation and show the lighting going down and that would be about the only other way you could kind of get through this quickly there's so much that they have to go over to get through that time period of Lord John Gray and Jamie and their relationship there, they just couldn't do it all. I mean, it's not possible. So I think we have to like cut them a break, cut production a break a little bit and say, you know, it happens. So got to sneak that in. And I'm clarifying season two, not season one for little flashbacks. Yeah. This is what happens when, when you're having a couple of bevies. Yes. Um, Melissa. Nice. Nicely put though. So, we have this relationship, this new relationship that we've showed. Um, let's talk about how Claire has become independent in so many different ways in this episode and also the distance that you really did get to see and that Frank brought up about Rihanna. Um, you know, we got to see this tension between Brie and Claire at season two. And so many people, especially just show watchers, were like, oh my God, I hate this daughter. Who is she? But in... This episode, you you kind of understand what she and Frank were talking about, and Frank brought it all up. You've barely been here. So Claire has become this independent woman, but she's also sacrificed some of her time with her daughter, and then she's also juggling with this weight that she's been battling this whole season of, you're a woman, what are you doing here? But then Frank finally throws it in her face, and that was something that, that was like the last little knife in the back, because I feel like Frank has been supporting her um, to chase these dreams and to be independent, but um, this episode was, was hard for Claire, not in the sense that I didn't like Claire, I just felt really bad for her, because it's hard to balance. It's hard to balance it all. And I was like, damn it, Claire, you graduated and you can't balance it all still. You can't win. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I put this, we were putting this in the blog that this is, it's it's hard to see and it was, you know, in the 60s and it still applies that it was like, oh my God, here's the mom guilt making its way in. But we as, um, you know, females can do that to ourselves without having your partner shove it down your throat. So, that was um, really hard to watch because I feel like she probably has enough of feeling like, am I giving myself in 100% to anyone at any um, facet of my life? I think as we probably all do, but then to have him say that, um, part of me was like, oh, I, I ju- it just occurred to me that if he's going to die in this episode, then the next one we're going to catch up to the timing of Dragonfly and Amber mm-hmm. from last season where she, to your point, hates her. So we've got to seed that in there. And I just, I don't know, it was, it was, I hope it was enough to get to all that kind of toxic energy that she has towards her mother that, that we saw. It didn't feel like enough for me. I felt like I saw it from him that he maybe planted that in her, but it it was hard to see other than being her having like a daddy connection. But I think children should have a connection to both parents. So I, I don't, I also think, and and I'm, you know, I've read the books a few times, and I'm very much a believer in sort of TV's one medium, books are another, and they don't have to like, you know, follow exactly the same um, course. Um, but in the books, there's a seminal scene where Claire um, Brianna is in an accident or is hit by a car, 
And um, then Frank sort of says, wow, and Claire feels wildly guilty. It's after school, blah, blah, blah. And Frank basically says, you know, let me help take care of Brie after school. He's super supportive. He's like, Claire, you are one of the few individuals in this world who knows exactly what he or she wants to do. I wish I had that. I don't. Let me do this. It's fine. Very different than hey, you're never been around between yes. medical school and working, so slash you're an inadequate mother. Yes. And I get that it's different, but I, you know, I also, having read the books, I'm like, okay, so that was a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting choice how they would switch different things. The things yeah. that they would bring this dislike about Frank, they would kind of keep out, and then they would add in these other things. So I would yeah, agree. Right. And, you know, and there was sort of, I think, to their credit, one of the things that they've shown so far in this season is sort of the misogyny and sexism that and racism that was rampant and, you know, still is on some levels um, for both, you know, Claire and Joe Abernathy, et cetera. And, you know, and Lord John Gray, you know, if you're a sodomite, as they called homosexuals, you know, I mean, it was punishable by death. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very risky lifestyle um, that you, of course, don't choose. You just are. You you know, it's interesting how Claire's fighting so much for her independence and, um, fighting to be who she wants to be and I do you want to talk about Claire you have, yeah you got that oh yeah. well I was I was just thinking about um how so much of Frank's acting or or his character you know I can't point to things through the two seasons where I've been like oh that's why I hate him because everything's been so subtle with him it's just like things you know looks or maybe body language and I was like "Ah, I don't like that very much but everything's been so subtle until this episode and then you just realize oh well everything became very he was very aggressive right and and it in watching it it felt like the things that we deal with in relationships where the guy says well I'll do this let let me do this I'll handle this and then years later it all just comes out. It's tally marked. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you don't know it, but he's been checking it off all this time and and think the score's not even and and then we're going to have to have a big fight and you're going to die in a car accident. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I was just thinking we've had so much parallel between between Claire and Jamie and um you know, she's fighting this whole season so far fighting to be a leader in in females being doctors and just being sure of herself and there's Jamie who doesn't fight and he's a leader just naturally in the prison and those special little moments um, with those prisoners talking with him him finding Murtaugh um, I just I wanted to kind of delve into that because that's a big portion of the book is getting to understand this dynamic this really unique dynamic uh, that the Scotsmen have with their um their leader Jamie so does anyone want to talk about that how was just he didn't fight for it like Claire was fighting for to be a doctor and I thought that was interesting that he just naturally is a leader or he's just a man I mean you can be a leader more easily (laughs) as a man than you can if you're a woman I'm just so proud of you that you did that without swearing (laughs) Wasn't that amazing? (laughs) Why Jamie? From this show, not book. Why Jamie? Why is Jamie the person 
to feed pheasant to? Why is Jamie the one to play chess with? Why is Jamie the one that... He's read Jamie. He's read Jamie. He was the one... I mean, ultimately, the rest of them were basically just men in the ranks, but he was the one they were looking for. So he was the officer in charge, and so he still became the officer in prison. Yeah, so I was going to say, an officer survived, wasn't it? That's like one of the more moving soundtrack or uh, tracks on the soundtrack but it's like if you think about it in even modern day con- if you are following under a leader and they end up in the same fate as you you're probably still um you know more inclined to to just fall under their leadership and hope for a better outcome for yourself than to go it alone and there's something about him that is, I mean, he it's not just Sam Hewen playing him. The character of Jamie itself has, he's so much charisma when he's around people. I mean, even sitting in those dinner scenes that it would be, I think it's just, he has like the natural leadership skills as you've seen from when he was like, you know, a, what felt like a teenager in the first episodes to now like really evolving into a man. Like why... I don't know if you're men following men why wouldn't he be the one after all of this after you've been on the battlefield with him after you know that you see that he's survived the same fate as you he's not trying to now granted he's going on these meals but he's not trying to get out of anything different than the fate that you've experienced he tried to put himself on the firing you know ahead in the firing squad first like he was trying to suffer the same fate that you were he wasn't trying to pull rank so and he was already a myth before they they quote caught him right the Dunbonnet Red Jamie. So they want, you know, the way, how do you control sort of the group? You control the leader. And so they needed to understand him psychologically, whatever way it was to sort of feel more comfortable themselves, feeling like if they got him, then they basically had everybody else. So we're coming up. I think we have passed an hour mark here with our discussion. So I want to Everyone have a take a little moment and think about your final thoughts, whether it was something that really impressed you about this episode, something about the past three episodes, something that you're looking forward to without dropping too many spoilers. But do any of you have any final thoughts that you want to share about this moment in Outlander? I mean, I think I probably have a lot to share about this episode, but I will always remember that this episode I got to watch in the room with the friends that I met through Outlander, which is to me will always be a memorable episode no matter how the episode stands on its own this is what I will remember about it so that to me makes it be a five in the kill ratings that's awesome I agree totally Um, the other thing will be for me I mean this is the third episode in in season three and I'm just pumped because I feel like this is the outlander I was hoping for Mm. and um Season one was terrific. Season one, two for me was less terrific. And I was, and I was, so I entered season three with a little bit of trepidation. Um, and I just feel like they're on track. They're doing a terrific job. Um, you know, they're doing a, you know, they're just doing a wonderful job with the storyline and evolving. I think that they're, you know, the, the book itself, I think, is a little easier to adapt than Dragonfly and Amber was. Um, uh, but, it's exciting to see it and sort of, you know, feel like, okay, yeah, Outlander's here. I loved this episode and I'm loving this season because especially this episode because we got to see Jamie again. We've we've seen so much suffering and grief and sorrow and hair and beards and all the hair fish and yes. suffering for him for whatever's going on in his head. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so I, I feel like, you know, circumstances are still not ideal. He's in prison and now he's off to Downton Abbey, but, and it's not going to be ideal there, but we're seeing some of his spirit come back and, and those facial expressions and those, that, that grin or smirk, whatever it is he does. That's adorable. I mean, I, I love that. And I, and I, I, I got the sense tonight that we're going to see more of that in the next few episodes, even before, you know, whatever else happens in this print shop whatever that's all about what else? Um, so you know it, it gave me hope and I like that um, so I, I'm going to go with Janet's first um, comment about sort of Outlander being you know sort of back um, you know it's always better in Scotland <laughs> and, I, and I have to give shout outs to um, the locations people I mean you know they just they just do a really good job I think of you know not even I mean I know they've used a few castles um, I think they used some exteriors for Arts Mirror at, at uh, Craig Millar Castle I believe it is um, which is beautiful but just the sort of sweeping highlands I mean it's just so amazing they, they do such a great job with that but um, you know just this this last episode for me um I know there was just so many emotional moments, and when we watched the episode, you know, at midnight last night, um, at the end, I, you know, I was really surprised at how kind of choked up I was about Frank dying. I'm like, I was actually sort of looking forward to it, but it was really very emotional. I mean, we all sat here; nobody said a word. It was like completely quiet. And that's saying a lot with this bunch. Like, I didn't say anything because I knew I would just ugly cry if I if I did. But um, yeah, just there, there's just the emotional moments and just the man, you know, Katrina and has just been phenomenal. I mean, Sam, there's just no words how he has just conveyed so much emotion without really speaking, um, which is crazy good. So yeah, I mean, Outlander's back, and I'm you know I'm looking forward. I mean. It'll be cool to see them go to quote unquote Jamaica or South Africa for their filming, but um, you know, for the least the next couple episodes, I'm looking forward to seeing more of the locations that they've chosen for shooting uh, these next few episodes. So I'm going to go there with stars, and I know we have so many things that we've discussed about this, and all I can say is um, like Frank, don't like Frank, love Jamie, people are so sick of people swooning over Jamie. Any way you look at it, stars and Ron Moore brought this story to life for us to see, and like it or not, the way they adapt it is the way they adapt it. And I hope that going forward, we can all just accept what they do. We can discuss what we don't like. But in the meantime, remember that had they not said yes, most of us still would not know this story. So just keep that in the back of your mind as you're having discussions online and all your little groups and our nice little group that if it weren't for them doing that, we wouldn't be sitting here and you wouldn't be watching us. So maybe give them a little bit of a, a, a little thank you a little thank you a little bit of a break give them a little bit of artistic creativity to change whatever they change and just say hey but I have the books to go back to if I don't like the way they did it in the story so that was yeah very very good cheers to that put cheers your big girl that. panties on right right <laughs> 
So on that note, my friends, we are going to be wrapping up this live episode of Outlander Cast. It has been such a joy to be able to sit here with some of our staff members to get together and to broadcast live right after the episode. Now, as always, I want to welcome you to the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering. It's our exclusive Facebook group. This is where we share the videos. This is where we have some more conversations. We continue the conversation. It doesn't end here. It continues. Um, I also want you to check out outlandercast.com. There you can listen to all of our previous podcast episodes. You get to read the blog posts. And let me tell you, if you have not yet read some of these blog posts, you need to go right now because you're you're awake. You're awake, so read it now. Uh, one of the things you need to check out is Ashley and Nikki. They did a minute-by-minute blog, like recap of the episode. Here, yeah, here, here. Tell, tell a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it, it happens. It happens. <laughs> it's, it's vaguely minute-by-minute-ish. And there's a lot of snark. Lots, um, lots of fun. A little bit of love. Yes. Lots of snark. And this happens every week. So if you wanted to have a two-screen experience, you could do it. Or if you want to save it for tomorrow when you're at work, when you're having a little coffee break and you're like, I need some more Outlander, that is the perfect time. So please take a chance to head on over to outlandercast.com. We are going to be coming out with our listener feedback episode later this week. You're going to hear Blake's wonderful Boston accent back on this podcast. But once again, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of our clan for as as. Ashley had said Outlander is such an amazing series, uh, books and and show. But what really is beautiful about it is um, just the ideas of hopes, hope and relationships and love. And I love the relationships that have come out of Outlander. That's what truly makes it magical, in my opinion, in addition to the time traveling, you know. (laughs) So thank you all so much again. Once again, you can leave some comments below. I always end the, the show, I say. But for now, I'm Mary. I'm Nikki. I'm Anne. I'm Denise. Ashley. Janet. And you've been listening to OutlanderCast. Bye. All right. Thank you, ladies. Coming at us from Martha's Vineyard. Again, so freaking lucky. You know, you know, just hanging out, talking Outlander with a bunch of ladies on Facebook Live, hundreds of people all at the same time. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm jealous mainly because I had to be with my kids this entire time while that happened. I was there, but I had to come home. I had to come home. And again, fret not, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will be returning on the show for the listener feedback episode to give you all of my particular thoughts on the episode. So please do listen to the listener feedback episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to include a lot of your, uh, a lot of your, uh, words and <laughs> a lot of you know i'm just i'm i'm flustered i'm flustered i wish i was there <laughs> i can't think straight well anyway uh, let's close out this show remember i will be on the next episode mary and i talking about all debts paid and you get to hear my wonderful thoughts about tobias and my man crush uh, on frank and <sighs> having to let him go not happy about it Not happy about it. Just that's a tease. Professional tease right there. Not happy. All right, let's close it out. Well, that is the end of this show. And I have to do the grunt work and close this bad boy out. So please do me a favor, uh, as with 
every episode. We always say this, but please do go to outlandercast.com where you get to read the wonderful words of the ladies you heard today on this episode. Uh, including uh, Nikki and Ashley's amazing minute-by-minute recap of All That's Paid. And I will tell you, it's probably my favorite one they have ever done because they were actually together. And uh, they did this mashup of all the wonderful work that they do. Uh, It's just funny. It's, oh my God, it's great. Uh, You get to check out all the podcasts there, uh, every single blog, article written there as well. And the most important thing that I want you to do, if you could, please, is to tell a friend that we exist. Tell a friend that the blog exists. Tell a friend that the podcast exists. You know, you you always recommend things to people uh, in word of mouth, and that's really how things grow. I mean, yeah, you can do the reviews on iTunes, and that does help, and I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't. It certainly does. And we appreciate every review that you give us, every single one. But... Tell a friend that we exist. Because, you know, like when you recommend movies or whatever, you recommend a TV show, you're like, oh, dude, you got this episode of uh, of Outlander was amazing. Or, oh, man, you got to see this X, Y, and Z movie. You always recommend specific things. So recommend this episode. Recommend this podcast to somebody and tell them that we exist. And that way we get the community of Outlander to grow. Because, like I've, I've always said, the more Outlander in the world, better, right? That that's fact, not opinion. Okay, so please do tell someone that we exist. And if you do want to listen to my episode by well, my chapter by chapter analysis of the first book of the Outlander series, Outlander, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/OutlanderCast, or just go to Patreon.com and and look up OutlanderCast, and you get to listen to my chapter-by-chapter chapter review of Outlander, uh, and it, you can be a, a patron of as little as $2 per month and get to hear that. <sighs> and we also are discussing some things, too, for our next goal of Patreon. We've decided that it's going to be uh, the next goal. Uh, we haven't come up with, a, with a, a number yet, but we have decided that the next goal will be a podcast that you guys decide what it is. You guys get to decide what our next podcast is, once Outlander Season 3 has concluded. And it can be about movies, it can be about TV shows, it can really be about anything you want. But we will be having a poll, or if you feel like you just want to message us on Facebook or Twitter, just tell us what you want us to podcast about, and then we will have a vote, and then you guys decide what the next show is. Show is. So please go and uh, let us know what you'd like us to podcast about next, and we'd be happy to oblige. As for now, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Blake. My wife is in Martha's Vineyard. She's missing. (laughs) And I'm doing the grunt work here. So I can't wait to speak to you next episode on the listener feedback episode about all debts paid. (sighs) And my boy, Frank, my boy, Frank, I'm going to miss you, brother. All right. Much love, guys. Thank you.